Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey, coffee nerds. Welcome to coffees.me podcast. I'm your host, Valerian Rala. Before we start, I have one very important announcement. This is second to last episode. Oh, before you jump off a bridge or start to burn cities, relax, relax. I'm taking the summer off. Off from podcasting, that is, because I'm firing up some projects and they need my full attention to set sail smoothly. First, we are launching Unleashed Coffee, the coffee brand which I already mentioned. I'm building here in the United States with a coffee farmer from Brazil. William is not only 50-50 partner in this project, but he is also the CEO. I hope to make a few episodes with him very soon. Next, I plan to launch Green Plantation's international website and web store. You can find the progress at gpcoffee.eu. I plan to make a course on how did I build this because I think there's a lot of awesomeness under the hood of this website. And we're also working very hard on coffeecourses.com where we are planning to add new courses over the summer. I'm not going to tell you anything yet, but they are going to be awesome. And finally, I plan to visit Europe and Maui. Actually, how about a meetup in the end of the June in Central Europe? Are you interested? I would be happy to show you guys our roastery and have a few drinks and good food with y'all. Perhaps even answer your questions and ask you a few. Let me know. I can try to find a day when we can all have a small coffee's me party. As you can see, my summer is pretty full and I can't wait to hustle through these projects. By the way, what are your plans for the summer? Feel free to share in our Facebook group, Coffee is Me. I do realize three months without this podcast can ruin anyone's life. I do not want to take that responsibility on me, so I created a mini-series, Ask Valerian. You can go to coffees.me website and click on the Ask Valerian menu point and ask me a question. If I don't know the answer, I will be happy to find someone who does and answer your question to satisfaction. And if you wonder, where did I get the idea to ask you to ask me a question? Hmm, well, that brings me to this podcast with Gail Williams. If you ever looked up a video on YouTube and researched some uh, brewing technique or espresso tip and you did not see Gail, you were not on YouTube. You were probably browsing some kind of weird website. So I, I would actually recommend to go and clean your computer right now. For me, Gail is something like YouTube coffee star. I think that making YouTube videos for Seattle Coffee Gear was a really genius idea because they don't only serve as a marketing tool where you can obviously you know, show off your products, but they also serve as a customer support. You know, They help you to make your decision about your espresso maker or, or brewing system. And they also provide a support where they show you how to use them once you purchase them. So. I think that this is really a great model for the 21st century. So there's a plenty of questions about videos and how did they start and why they do them. But also these guys sell a lot of coffee equipment and a lot of coffee. So they have this giant database where they know what do Americans drink. And I was very excited to ask these questions because I'm a guy who loves charts, who loves numbers and gave us kind enough share these insights so you know it can give us an idea what works and what not obviously each region is different but just gives you an idea well i'm so excited to present you gail williams for seattle coffee gear enjoy hi gail thank you so much for uh, accepting the invitation to coffees.me podcast i'm so thrilled to have you here Thank you, Valerian, for having us. Uh, Seattle Coffee Gear is always glad to, uh, you know, contribute whenever we can. That's so much fun. You have a lot of great uh, information there, so uh, I'm going to pick your brain. Oh, okay. I hope there's something left when we get done. <laughs> but first, uh, I would like to know your coffee story. How did coffee find you? 
Uh, I've been drinking coffee. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, it probably goes back to my late teens, early 20s. And uh, as you know, that's that's been a while since I was at that point in my life. And in recent years, um, we just wanted to have a better cup of coffee and happened on to espresso machines. And once you've had a cup of coffee out of an espresso machine, uh, regardless of what type it is, uh, you're, there's no going back. So that's your preferred way to drink coffee, espresso machines? I mean, espresso? No, I have lots of different ways I like to drink coffee. It could be drip. It could be uh, pour over, cappuccino, latte. It just depends on the mood. And since we have access to every sort of uh, way of brewing here, I get to choose what I want every day. That's something we are jealous of because, you know, every co- it's, it's every coffee nerd's dream to have all those toys around, I guess. Yeah, all I have to do is come to work. <laughs> so uh, you guys are doing amazing job with your videos. You made, I think, almost 1,200 when I checked last time on YouTube. And a lot of us, we learned plenty of espresso skills or brewing skills or just short tips from you guys. Sure. Uh, do people recognize you on the street? Uh, occasionally, uh well, obviously, when I go to a uh, venue that is coffee-related, I most often will be recognized, or in our retail stores, yes. Uh, once in a while, out and about, uh, I mean, I've been recognized at the Denver airport waiting for an airplane and talked to a fellow in depth about his ranchilla that he bought from us. Um, on occasion, out shopping, somebody will recognize me. Uh, it's, it's certainly just occasional, but occasionally, yes. And uh, do they ask for coffee tips right away? No, they just kind of look at me. With, you can t- you can see the look in their eye. Um, and then all of a sudden they get this grin on and they say, you're Gail, aren't you? Gail from Seattle Coffee Gear and YouTube. And I'll say, yes, indeed. And usually they don't they don't press me too much. Oh, that, that's okay then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did the same, by the way. Uh, oh. Very in, good. in Seattle last year, I, I didn't talk to you because I was busy. Uh, we were uh, exhibiting, but I saw you there. I was like, oh, that's Gail. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> were you at a show? Yeah, we were. I was working with Boot Coffee and we were exhibiting at the show. So you just yeah. passed by the booth. So. Yeah, excellent. No, but not this year. This year, I'm, I, I missed it. I was busy. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to talk about videos a bit later, but I really want to pick your brain about uh, what America drinks. Because you guys, you sell uh, coffee equipment, you sell coffee, and you have access to this data, which most of us don't. Yes, indeed we do. Uh, our marketing department obviously is more up on the data than I am. But, you know, ask ask away. Uh, based on your sales, uh, what do you think? What are the most popular brewing techniques today in the United States? Um, I would say what's kind of uh, becoming more popular than it had been, and it's in cafes as well as at home, would be pour-over or cold brew. Uh, seems to be the the method that is coming to the forefront. Uh, espresso's been around, drip's been around, uh, you know, several different brewing methods have been there. But I would say those two are probably coming to the surface hmm. more and uh- more. When it comes to cold brew, do people use uh, some cold brew uh, apparatuses like uh, toddy or something like that? Or is it just they prepare it at home with anything they have around? Well, they're using, uh, there's several different cold brew methods uh, or vessels that you can make cold brew in that we have on our webpage. And uh, the toddy is one of the older ones that's been around, gee, I don't know, it was, it's been around for a very long time. Now there are several other ones that are coming out with glass carafts, uh, Hario, uh, you know, there's several. So for the home use, people are buying the toddy and then they're also buying the Hario and some of the other uh, methods of brewing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned espresso. Is United States more like a classic school? So they buy the classical espresso makers or uh, they are more into these uh, super automatic things? Uh, it's six to one, half a dozen of the other. I would say, uh, there are people that want to experience making espresso the traditional way. And so they will buy a more traditional machine. And then there's those folks out there that just want to get out in the morning and get a 
a, a good espresso, not excellent, but a good shot of espresso, make their latte or whatever they're making to get out the door to get to work. And so the convenience factor plays a big part in those people that want to buy the super automatics mm-hmm. versus the traditional. So I would say it's equal, it's equal across the board. There are people that want the convenience and then there's people that want to do the work and have a little finer tuned uh, drink at the end of the day. Oh, perfect. Uh, I'm usually, I'm uh, from Europe. And in, I know that in uh, my part of Europe, uh, in Central Europe, people are falling in love with super automatics. And it's a kind of a shift because we used to have kind of simple espresso makers at home. Sure. Uh, not, you know, this fancy stuff, which nowadays is in, it's more like, you know, uh, like a gadget or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now people upgrading to these uh, super automatics. So uh, that's what I'm asking. So what's the shift here? Um, um, I would say in the United States, since uh, espresso is really in its infancy, um, boy, I still say it's a 50-50. I don't see a clear shift. I see more of a shift of people, uh, like we were talking about the cold brew and the pour overs. I think there's more of that coming to the surface. Oh, cool. Uh, is there any espresso or a coffee maker which truly surprised you in a good or a bad way? Um, yeah, actually, there there is a machine that came out a few years back, and it's made by Breville, and it's a hybrid, something between the semi-automatic and a super-automatic, and it's the Oracle by Breville. Uh, it automatically grinds and tamps the coffee for you. Uh, then you take the portafilter, engage it into the brew head, and it will. Uh, this machine is a double-boiler machine, so you can brew and steam at the same time. On the steam side, it will actually steam the milk to the consistency you want, whether you want a little bit of foam or a lot of foam. And it also will take it to the temperature you program it in for. So you can be having your espresso shots being brewed and then do the steam at the same time. You just stand back and watch it do its thing. So it it is truly a combination of a super automatic and a semi-automatic, although Having said that, you're going to get a better shot because you're doing the shot in a traditional semi-automatic way. I totally so that, that would be the machine I would say is coming to the surface as being a little bit different. I totally missed this one. Uh, what, what's the price point on that? Uh, it's uh, just under two grand, two thousand. Uh, okay. Take that course by you know prices change. Hmm. I totally missed this one. I use Breville grinders at home. Yes, uh, I bought the first one, uh, the 800XL, because it had the same name as my first computer, Atari X 800XL. I'm such a nerd, <laughs> but <laughs> but I was not, you know, I was. It was okay for me for brewing uh, like uh, Hario and stuff, but espresso, I was not happy with it. But then uh, I complained to Breville, and they did just recently, of course, like six years after I bought the first one, and they were yeah. very nice, and they. Uh, offered me to buy the new model for a great price, by the way, because as an old uh, user, I guess. And I'm very happy with the new one. I mean, that can f- you can really fine-tune the espresso on that one. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. That, that, the, they changed the uh, components a little bit on the inside to make it go finer, so it will be more suitable for espresso versus the original Smart Grinder uh, didn't go quite as fine. Yeah, and when it comes to my espresso, just uh, to let people know that I I'm using a rock, so I'm not a like espresso maker thing. I'm just at home little playing with these hand sure. uh, push things. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, okay, let's talk about the super automatics because I, I I'm really interested in this. Uh, you know, I have a company in Europe and we do a third wave coffee, and I was always wondered if. There is a super automatic machine which a third wave coffee nerd should uh, try, should give give a chance to. Um, you know, I don't think there's any one that pops up to the surface. I would say that um, it depends on the features that are important to a person and what their price point is. And we try to guide people down that path of, you know, what what's going to work best for you. What's your price point? I'm not going to try to get it, get you into something. So th- there's something for everybody. It just depends on what you want to spend and uh, how you want your drinks to be made. And do you want to have the milk done automatically? There's everything. There's everything from the X small that Seiko makes right up to the Excelsis Evo, which practically will do your laundry for you. <laughs> so it just depends on 
uh, it just depends on price point and what kind of features are important to you. Okay, so is, so is there anything you can recommend for a, a beginner, let's say somebody who has a uh, little money and they just don't want to invest too much in a begin beginning, you know, they just want to get familiar with the with sure. the super automatic. And maybe a second option would be somebody who already has a company and want to, you know, serve 40 people or so in, in the office. Yeah, um, when it comes to at home, uh, each one of the lines, whether it be DeLonghi, Seiko or Jura, all make an entry level. Uh, and I would recommend either one of those three. Take a look at them, see what's going to work best for you. And when it comes to the office, that's a tricky spot where, let's say, an office contacts us and they say they're doing 40 drinks a day. Now, are those 40 drinks in an hour's time? Are the 40 drinks spread out over uh, an eight-hour period? How many people want decaf versus not decaf? Those sorts of questions are very important. And when it comes to recommending a machine, there is no perfect fit for any one office environment. So we like to really talk to the person and get a feel for somebody in the office. Talk to us and tell us, what do you think the, the patterns are going to be in that office? Are everybody going to rush that machine at 8 o'clock in the morning when they get there? Uh, so those factors make a huge difference when it comes to picking out a machine for an office. There is no one machine I can say, this is perfect for you. Mm -hmm. But what should they uh, pay attention to? Because we are talking about the machines which have higher volume, right? So, yes. Because 40 people doesn't mean 40 coffees a day, but it may, probably some people have two cups. Or, so that would be like 80 or maybe three. So that, that's much more, right? That could be a, a light commercial machine versus a home machine. Mm -hmm. okay. So it could be a whole nother ball, you know, a whole nother alley that we take a person down and now we start talking about uh, light commercial machines. Okay. When it comes to coffee, what kind of uh, coffee do your customers drink? Is it whole bean, instant, capsules? We don't sell instant coffee. We do sell some capsules that go into the Illy machines uh, that are easy. Of course, you just pop it in there, push the button, and out it comes. Uh, most of our customers uh, buy whole bean, and they either put it in their super automatic or their, uh, they have a standalone grinder. Mm -hmm. So do, do you know uh, what would be the uh, ratio of ground uh, versus whole beans? Uh, I would say 99% of our coffee is whole bean. Oh, that's a such a great it's, it's much fresher that way. When you buy pre-ground coffee, as soon as it's ground, it starts to diminish. Whereas beans can be uh, as much as a month, six weeks out, and they only diminish. They start to diminish fast once you grind them. So whole bean is the preferred uh, method of what most of our customers are looking for because it's a much fresher cup of coffee. That's perfect. That's I'm so happy to hear that. I was doing a little research, and I know uh, last time I was talking to the guys from Big Island Coffee Roasters, and they said that the ratio is ninety to ten, so only ten percent order uh, ground. Yes. B but yeah. when I went to the grocery store to, here nearby me, uh, people, I mean, the most of the coffee offered was ground, which surprised me. Like there was maybe one bag of whole bean. So. That's because it's a grocery store environment and it's a, it's a different uh, customer, I would say. That's a person that's, um, you know, buying their coffee, uh, more mass produced while they're at the grocery store convenience uh, versus a person that comes to our website or something like that uh, is they're being educated by us about what it means to buy a whole bean and actually grind it on the spot and how much fresher it will be then. So it's just a matter of, you know, personal preference, people being at the grocery store, picking up a bag of coffee versus a uh, more destination shopping. That's right, because you also have all the coffee nerds. Yep. Yes, <laughs> there's a fair amount of those out there. Uh, so do your customers prefer dark roast or the light roast? Uh, we don't. We have very few what we would call dark roasts, which are uh, beans that actually are roasted to the point of drawing all the oils out of the bean and they end up on the surface of the bean. Uh, we, we tend more toward medium roast uh, blends that have different beans from different regions of the country or the world or wherever they're coming from. And roasting those to a point that it brings out the flavor of each one of those beans 
uh, is more the focus of the roasters that we deal with. Not over, not roasting it to the point where everything is diminished up from the inside and everything starts to taste the same. Mm-hmm. So I would answer that saying uh, most of our customers are uh, medium roast folks uh, with the exception of every now and again somebody will come along and want a dark roast. And we will, I will say, sometimes I work the retail stores and I'll say, well, you can actually get into this and it will be more of a medium roast, but it'll be full bodied and really taste good, just like the dark roast that you're used to. We give them a sample and they're amazed. Mm-hmm. How about the European coffees? Uh, I think you carry Lavazza and Ili, is that right? That is correct, yep. Uh, so do Americans buy them despite the fact that you guys in the United States have amazing uh, coffee roasters and they can actually roast fresh? Yeah, for a certain, uh, for a certain customer, they're very popular. Um, I would say it tends more toward the person that has a super automatic uh, because they are medium roast, different blends. They taste a little bit different, but they're not uh, super automatics don't like oily beans. And Lavazza is a safe bet and so is Italy. Is there a geographical divide where you can see that part of uh, one part of the United States likes different kind of coffee than other part of the uh, United States? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, it tends to be that the people living on both coasts uh, seem to go toward the Chicago, Miami area, all that, you know, that region of the country. They seem to be a little more into um, being a little more discerning in what they're drinking is what we have found, uh, or that's what I've experienced anyway. And so they will go for more of the oh, smaller roasters, trying different things just to see what it's all about. And let me mention one thing. In our retail stores, we have opened up what we call the wall. And uh, in our two stores, one in Bellevue and one in Linwood, we have local roast coffee. In one store, 32, and the other store, 40. And and they are all there to be sampled. We have a grinder dedicated to each one, and you pick out what you want to try, sample it. And so that has generated a lot of people coming into the stores and trying different coffees and figuring out what they like best and playing around. Sometimes they come in and get what one coffee one week and another another week. Wow, that sounds awesome. I'm going right now. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> How, how long do you keep uh, coffee from a roaster uh, before you consider it expired and uh, use it for videos, for example, or, or donate it or whatever? Sure. Um, the roasters pretty much dictate what they feel is the proper expiration date for their coffees. It could be anywhere from two weeks up to six weeks. And so we go by their guidelines, and uh, it's, it's quite a process. Uh, the people in stores, we have one person dedicated in each store that will... Uh, look at those uh, expiration dates twice a week or whatever. I'm, I think it's something like twice a week. And that, that coffee, if it's expired, will be taken down. And then we use it for, we have a big refurbishing department where we refurbish machines that's funneled over to that department. And they use it for testing just to make sure that the machines are functioning properly before they are sanitized packaged up and ready for uh, ready for sale to our customers. Mm, I see. Is this true also for the Italian coffees? Because it takes some time until it gets here. The Italian coffee, typically, uh, the expiration date, a lot of it is a year out. All right. Because it has a has been proce- processed with a nitrogen flush, whereas the local <laughs> ones, the smaller ones, do not use the nitrogen flush, so they're expiration date is much sooner. So it is never an issue with the uh, European coffees with us. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the nitrogen flush. And uh, uh, do you, what, do, what do you think about it? Is it efficient way to package coffee? I believe it is. I haven't in, uh, noticed a big difference in flavor or anything like that. So uh, it seems to work very well and it keeps the coffee uh, fresher in the bag. Once you open the bag, you do want to put it in something like uh, Airscape or something like that that's going to keep the air and the UV away from it because that will diminish it as well. So we kind of recommend that if you open a bag like Lavazza, you probably want to consume it within three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So m- most of the listeners of this podcast are uh, coffee businesses or future coffee businesses, and uh, they would love to pick your brain about how to pitch a coffee. So for example, if I start a coffee roasting company today, 
how should I pitch uh, coffee to uh, you guys to, to carry me? Uh, I would just reach out to us, to our marketing department, and uh, they will uh, respond. And typically what we would do is uh, ask you to send them some, some samples. Uh, and we will test those. The marketing department will test them. Everybody in the HQ, you know, our headquarters will get a little taste if they wander through our kitchen. And uh, that's how we pick and choose. And then we have to make sure also for the roaster and ourselves that the rotation would go properly and that the, the roaster can cook the coffee to us, you know, within a few days of roasting it so that we can get it out to our customers that might be across the country and it might take five days to ship it to them. So it all has to orchestrate perfectly so that our customer experience is the best it can be. Mm -hmm. Is there any minimal requirements which a coffee roaster must comply with before she or he pitches their product to you? Uh, that I don't uh, really get into myself. Um, that is something that our marketing department takes care of. So it's just best to reach out to them and then they'll respond with what, you know, our requirements are and how best to, to move forward on that. Okay. Is there any very secret tip you can say? No. <laughs> no secrets. Uh, there's no secret tip. Uh, we're, you know, we just test it, taste it, see how it all flows and talk to the roaster and see if it's a good fit for, for not only us but for them as well it has to be a good fit for them too perfect uh it makes all sense uh so what, what do you think what's your personal opinion what uh biggest mistakes you think the coffee roaster do today with their uh, product sorry i don't know that there are big mistakes being made um i haven't uh noted any uh, the coffees that we carry we carry them for a reason because we like them so I can't say that if there's being if there are mistakes being made out there, they probably it isn't a coffee we carry, so like haven't seen it. Of course, but I meant like more like you go out and you try some coffee and go like, oh, I wish they did something different with that. Is there something like that? Honestly, I don't go out. Uh, I either brew my coffee at home or at work. It's rare that I go out to. Uh, I don't have a lot of discretionary time to be going out to all the cafes in this area i would probably that would be a career for me there are so many of them mm -hmm. okay uh how about if somebody is designing a product is the like a coffee brewer or i don't know coffee machine is the is the process the same he or she contacts you sends in the sample i guess sample machine and uh, you guys decide if you carry it or not uh when it comes to machines uh we pretty much have the uh, the vendors or the manufacturers that we deal with. Uh, for us to take on a brand new machine that is untested and not known in the market, uh, it's 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 not typical that we. It's more that we probably would test machines that are coming from known manufacturers. Occasionally, we will have somebody contact us that's still in the. Um, in a small business or something like that. And, you know, it kind of, it doesn't usually um, work as well for us because it isn't a known product. It's hard to market these things. And uh, we will, of course, uh, listen to everything and look at everything. Uh, but it seems to be uh, that the smaller ones, they, they need to get their footing typically before they come to us. I see that. Okay. All right. Uh I would like to ask the listeners questions now, if it's okay with you. So sure. I don't, because those are very important for me, obviously. Yeah, uh, sure. Okay, so on our Facebook group, we got a few questions for you, Gail. Sure. And uh, the first one is from Sean Fitzpatrick. He's an amazing listener and a very, actually very loyal listener. So his question is, is Gail, if you could choose an espresso machine for your home, less than 5,000 US dollars, what would it be and why would you choose it? Thank you for your reply. Sure. So, Sean, um, my take on uh, talking about what I would have personally, uh, I don't typically get into that because our experiences with our customers is really focused on what's going to work best for the customer. 
if as the face of the company, if I recommend a machine under or over X amount of dollars, uh, it might not be a correct fit for you or whatever the customer is out there. So I don't typically uh, talk about what I use. And honestly, I can come to work and use any machine I want. I have probably 40, 45, 50 machines at my disposal. Um, so I try not to talk about what my personal preference is because I don't want people to be influenced. Mm -hmm. Do you have espresso maker at home? Uh, I've had several uh, brewing methods at home over the years. Because I know that there are a lot of uh, famous baristas who are competing and everything, and they don't have espresso machine at home because, <laughs> yeah. as, as you said, they go at work and they work with the best machines they, they want. So. Sure, sure. I can work with any machine I want here at the office or at our retail stores, and it, it and I do play around with them. Uh, we use every machine that we offer to the public, so I do play with them in one fashion or another. I, on occasion, we'll take machines home. Uh, prior to doing the crew reviews on the videos, I'll take them home and I will play with them for a week or so. So I get to know them better and I, and I get to know the pros and the cons. But yeah, my kitchen is a little bit of a rotating uh, coffee brewing system there. There's all kinds of stuff that comes through my kitchen. Once again, we are so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next question is com coming from Kim Watson. Uh, Gail, I would like your viewpoint on women in coffee movement that hit the industry in general and more specifically can you talk about mature women in a coffee such as ourselves thank you women in coffee ah boy um well here i am <laughs> um you don't i mean in the northwest up here i think you see probably not quite as many women, but I think the ratio probably of women versus men in the coffee industry here is probably much higher than some parts of the country. Um, that's going to be a hard one to answer for me. Uh, I'm not sure I have the statistics to talk about it. Mm. Well, the general like uh, opinion is that there is not enough women in a coffee industry. And uh, that can be a question why. Like I had like now, I have to say I do a positive discrimination on, on women because, first of all, that perspective is very interesting, but it's very hard for me to get on this podcast uh, a female. So I don't know why is that. Huh? Yeah, I have no idea. I, I I honestly haven't gotten into that aspect of it to to really do any research or think about that. And that's the first time I've had that question. I wish I had a better answer. Well, maybe it's something uh, like inspirational for your next videos. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. So Kim Watson, make sure that you subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah. So Max Bruna is the next one. Hi, Valerian. First of all, thanks for letting me join the group. Oh, sorry. My question for Gail would be, what kind of coffee grinder she has at home and why she chose that grinder? Thanks. So we have, again, the same kind of question. Yeah, it's the same kind of question. And the answer would be pretty much the same, where there's different grinders for different brewing methods. Uh, it's best to just match up the grinder that's going to work. If you're doing pour-over, you want to make sure something's going to do a good, consistent pour-over, but it doesn't have to go as fine as espresso. If you're doing espresso and you have a higher-end machine that needs a really good grinder, then you just have to make sure you pair it up. Um, that's why we do the videos to explain what what grinder or what machine is going to work best for that person's uh, needs. And so... There isn't one. There isn't one grinder that I can say is perfect for X or Y. It, it has to be that it's matched up with the type of brewing you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we love your videos because they are not pushing any concrete product, but talking about benefits and uh, disadvantages too. You know, sometimes. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Speaking of the videos, let's continue with uh, questions about your videos. Okay. Uh, so how was the idea of making YouTube videos born? Oh, this goes back, uh, way back where um, I think we just kind of happened onto it. We decided to do a few and we really had good people at the time that could get it out there on YouTube and it just, because nobody else was doing it in the same fashion as we were, nobody was doing it with pros and cons, the goods and the bads. We were showing the machines as they actually are rather than showing a machine and saying this is the best machine out there and then the next video the next machine you know would be the best 
I mean, we really just happened onto it, and the chemistry worked real well at that time uh, when everybody was in the videos. And so, you know, it, it just has evolved, and it started out slow, and boom, it took off. It's, you know, for me, the whole YouTube uh, is fascinating because it started with, uh, you know, people falling down and other people laughing at it. Uh, and then businesses picked it up and yes. they started to make these videos. And uh, I'm one of them. When I still lived in Europe, uh, I made a channel for my uh, coffee company there. And uh, it's it was really kind of a scary moment for me because you suddenly had to be in front of many people talking about coffee. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it took really some guts, but you're talking about it. Oh, it was natural. I just did it. So <laughs> we, yeah, it, um, it didn't feel like it was a job or that it was hard. It's easy to give the honest truth. And that's what I found works best is that's why one of the reasons we do them is it gives the customers almost a hands-on without touching the machine because I'm going to tell them what's the good and the bad about it. And so I think that's one of the reasons that our videos have become far more popular than uh, others is that we tell it like it is and it's not scripted. It's real. It's off the cuff. We do it. And it's rare that we take a second take. Do you have any experience with videos, previous experience before you started the YouTube uh, channel? No, none whatsoever. So how did it feel to shoot the first video? I think it was the La Pavoni one, right? No, that La Pavoni was well into the into our series of videos. Oh, boy. You know, I don't even remember exactly the first video and what the feeling was. Um, that's stretching because that probably goes back eight years, I'm going to say. I don't remember the first one exactly. I wish I could. I, I'd probably be scared. <laughs> So do you remember at least the initial uh, feedback you got from those videos? Did you have any trolls? Trolls? <laughs> no, we have stalkers. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just like kidding. me. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we have always gotten feedback, and it's usually positive because uh, they like the way we present our videos. And like I said, the, the pros and the cons. We don't sugarcoat it. We tell it like it is. And that seems to be the resounding feedback that we get from our customers is we like it that you're real. Mm -hmm. uh, before you started, did you have any uh, YouTube channel, well, let's call them celebrities, who inspired your work or you, uh -huh. gave you the idea to start? You know, it was other people that helped me with this. Uh, I don't think, not to my knowledge, not to my knowledge, no. Maybe that's a, actually a good thing that you had a clean slate and you could just do whatever you felt like doing exactly mm -hmm. i think so and we're still going to that same premise today that so, it's it's real mm -hmm. so you never had a negative feedback which kind of hurt you you know oh sure there's always going to be negative feedback but it, um it's not usually constructive feedback it um it will be somebody that just maybe doesn't like what i'm wearing that day or whatever it could be as simple as that and I think you're going to get that across the board, no matter what you do, and you put it out to the public. There's going to be something. I, you know, I'd be lying if I said we didn't have negative feedback. There's always going to be that, but it's not usually about the machine or the product, or it could be just something. Like I said, it could be that they don't like what I'm wearing that day. It's amazing what you're saying because uh, many times you are right. The feedbacks are about how you look or uh, what you said. Yeah. Like like the word you use rather than the content itself. And that bothered me. I got, you know, I don't know why, but in Europe, uh, I got I got tons of negative feedback, not about the content, never. It was always yeah. like, oh, this is very interesting, blah, blah, blah. But like, okay, uh, in one of the cases, I got that uh, uh, this guy is fat. In other cases, you know, that <laughs> this guy has Hungarian accent or whatever, you know. Oh, it, it, you have to wonder what their... Uh what their end result, what they're trying to achieve. And uh, I just kind of, um, I don't pay attention to that because it, it has no meaning, really. It, it's not relevant to what we're doing. That's that's perfect. So you, 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 you had this skill to ignore this from the very beginning. Pretty much. I mean, a lot of the stuff, uh, some, of the, some of the comments uh, are swept before I ever see them too, so that's a good thing. Um, 
I mean, if we really have a mean-spirited uh, comment out there, we're obviously not going to take to heart. It just, it's not worth my time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in my case, it took some time, but I also developed this kind of uh, thick skin, as you call it. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. You can develop a thick skin once you do videos, but I know a lot of coffee businesses or any businesses don't start videos because they are scared of these first negative feedbacks. Yeah, you really have to take it for what it is. And working retail, too. Um, you know, you're going to have somebody come into the store that possibly isn't always going to be pleased with everything. I mean, you just can't please all the people all the time is the saying. So you do the best you can, and we really try hard and hope that people like it. And if they don't, that's fine, too. Perfect. That's the attitude. <laughs> yeah, you have to have that. You have almost 1,200 videos on YouTube. Uh, I, I've done a lot of them. It's it's amazing. How do you decide about the topics? This is my biggest issue. I, I just cannot come up even with like 10 topics. I mean, you guys yeah. came up with over 1,200. How, how do you do that? Uh, you know, uh, the customers actually help us out with that. They uh, We ask them to send in ideas that they would like us to do. And uh, we review those ideas, and we, we actually get a lot of content from that. Uh, we get content from on an as-need basis. A new machine came out. Uh, there's questions about it. People want the answers. We, get, we want to test it out and present it to them. And so a lot of it comes from those two. Uh, and we do some brainstorming. We sit around and talk about, you know, what, what have you heard that maybe somebody would like to hear or see? And we take that into consideration as well. But it mostly comes from the customers and an on-need basis to to really dig into a new product and see what it's all about. Okay. Uh, now you told me, now you told them my secret. Why do I ask on my Facebook group for uh, questions? There you go. It is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so another secret which I'm really curious about, uh, how do you make your YouTube videos viral, except falling down or burning yourself with Espresso Maker, but how do you make them popular on YouTube? Um, we actually just, you know, we put them up and uh, the marketing department takes care of um, oh, different ways of getting that stuff out there. And if you notice, we have a... Uh, email list where people can subscribe that gets mm-hmm. down to them. Uh, there's lots of different ways in the marketing department. Uh, we don't aim for viral videos. We just aim for the everyday stuff. So it's not so much about going viral. It's more about just, you know, meeting the needs of the people out there. Yeah, that's what I meant, you know, but you know, sometimes, and I, and I see this pretty often when uh, a new company puts up a video and nothing happens and you have like five views. It's kind of discouraging, you know. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, I think it's a subs- subscription base and we just have a following. Uh, and I think the following isn't so much that we've worked on it as far as putting it out there. It's more about because our videos are real. We don't fool around. I mean, if I spill beans on the countertop, we don't start over. We just roll with it. And I think people like that. And that one person telling another, telling another, that all multiplies. Yes. And, and actually, I love that because I, I still remember your uh, uh, AeroPress video when you made made it with orange. Yeah, and it orange. went all over the place. And you did like, exactly, you did like a few experiments with that. And some of them just didn't work. And you had fun with that. And that's how it should be, I think, like... That's what we do with coffee at home, right? We experiment with it, we have fun with it, and we laugh about it. Yeah, I think I went through five videos on that one, that particular segment of the orange, and it became a challenge. Let's see if we can get this right. Mm-hmm. And I think we finally did get one drink out of it. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried the Facebook videos, or are you focusing only on YouTube so far? YouTube uh, has been our best um, avenue at this point. The Facebook isn't quite as uh, customer engaging. Uh, the, the YouTube has proven to be our best uh, outlook or out, outsource for our videos. Have you have you tried these uh, live videos like Periscope or I think Facebook is offering live options and Meerkat. I think is that the other one. We did a live uh, feed on YouTube. Uh, YouTube has a more of a community base for us too, which works a little bit better. And we did we've had a couple of live feeds. Um, 
and we're going to do some work. You know, we're just what we're doing on our live feeds moving forward. I think it's going to be more of like we'll have a guest person come on, a roaster, whatever, somebody that has some new product, whatever it may be, and have them come on and, you know, we'll do a little chat about whatever's going on in the live feed. And I think we ran that for about an hour last time, the last couple of times. Hmm. That's and and uh, how many people did you have there? Do do you know? You mean watching mm -hmm. at any given time? I think there was about uh, eighty or so, eighty to ninety people at any given time watching that live feed. And in you know those guys at work, those people that were watching and they were supposed to be working. Shame on you. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Well, you know all these uh, big events like when Apple announces a new iphone or whatever you know they do it during yeah. the day right so yeah and we are watching that so yeah exactly so what our live feeds are called coffee break live and so if anybody subscribes and they see that that's what that's what we call them hmm. i i'm subscribed i never got a notification i'll, I'll check out why so I'm, I'm just oh there you go okay uh why okay when would you recommend to coffee business to start a shooting videos and uh, when would you say it's not such a Good idea. You know, I can't really make that kind of a recommendation. That's not. Uh, it wouldn't be my focus. I think if if they try it uh, and they have the right avenues to get it out there at any time, why not try it? See what happens. Uh, there is no right time, wrong time. It's it's more a, a case of see what happens. If you have the right person in front of the camera, you have the right person behind the camera. That's a lot of it too. It isn't just doing it or not doing it. The chemistry and all has to be right. The person who does the videoing has to be right. All those things have to line up. And so I would say, make sure you line that up first. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips how to do it, uh, how to get the most of it out of it? Um, make sure you have a good marketing department. Uh, those guys over there, are my, I have a whole team that I work with. Uh, I'm just one portion of it. I'm just the, the face. They take that content and uh, they get it out there on YouTube. They have make sure that people realize it's coming up on YouTube, and so it's not just one person, one tip. It's it's a it's a village. Mm -hmm. We all work together real close. What kind of equipment do you use? Is it something very fancy, or is it something uh, which is affordable? We started out with uh, just a handheld camera, and we are still using a DSLR camera. Today, with some tripod stuff on occasion, but mostly it's still handheld. Mm. I mean, we have got yeah, you know, we've we've upped our game when it comes to the camera, but for the most part, the same type of feel is what we want to go with, where it's it's real, it's live, it's not scripted. I agree with you. I mean, it, there is um, actually if you start doing videos, uh, simplicity is uh, a key, especially if you don't have a, a big team. And it's the content which really counts. Yeah. And for example, I just got a beautiful new uh, DSLR because I do also videos here in, in California. We have uh, online courses where I, I shoot those courses. And where are you located? Uh, I'm uh, close to San Francisco and uh, the, the school is in Mill Valley. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. So and we do online courses for coffee professionals. And I started with this uh, handheld uh, camera. Obviously, I use tripod and everything, but... It's just a simple camera with a uh, mic in. And then I got this beautiful DSLR to up the game, but that takes much more effort. You have to, you know, pay more attention. You know, you have different lenses, different angles. So, Yes, yeah, and lighting is crucial. All of those things, I mean, it helps. In the beginning, we didn't worry so much about lighting, and you'll see that um, the, the clarity of the picture isn't quite, quite as crisp. Um, there's lots of things, and it was just different in the beginning. Still good content, just different. Yeah, I actually went back to my old camera. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Because it's easier. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Um, and the, the, I always thought about this. Uh, if you would have, to, if you would have to start a new show on YouTube today, and it cannot be about coffee, what would that be? Whoa. Uh, well, it would probably. Yeah, it would probably be something that I would be interested in personally. Um, I like to do a lot of woodworking. Uh, I like to work with wood. Um, I like being on the water, anything to do with the water. 
So I think it would probably be one of those two things. But I would say if it was to go down the same type of path that we're doing now, it'd be woodworking. Oh, cool. So are there going to be some woodworking videos in the future? Uh, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> or I would say maybe st our stores too. That would, you know, something to do with the stores, but that would of course be still running down the same alley as coffee. Mm -hmm. So I would say if I was to say something, it'd probably be woodworking, but am I going to do anything in the future with that? No, I don't think so. That's just, that, that would be, um, that's my own, like uh getaway is to go out there in the shop and start putzing around with a piece of wood so i probably wouldn't want to take that public oh, okay that's that kind of fluid like own space and yep. that's how we escape humans yeah exactly that's one of my one of my escape routes i have several oh okay so i understand that i have a lot of escape routes how to escape humans do you have any other youtube channels you watch and uh, you can recommend you know, I don't. I, I If I want to do some research on something and, and I'm per making a purchase, I'll go to that specific type of product and just look and see if I can see it demonstrated. I find that uh, video for me rather than reading is a better way of learning about something. But I don't have any specific. I just go on YouTube, do a search, and whatever pulls up, pulls up. Mm -hmm. Have you seen me on YouTube? Have I seen what on YouTube? Me on YouTube. Yes, I have. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. No. No. Okay. <laughs> but I'm going to look. <laughs> I can send you. I have one English video. There you uh, go. Yeah. Gail, this was really awesome. Thank you so much. There is, uh, There were so many questions and, and uh, thank you for your answers and thank you for your time. I know you guys are very busy. Oh, no. Well, thank you so much for your time as well. Uh, we always like to... Uh, you know, answer questions for people. And this is uh, just another way of doing it. Uh, we are looking forward to your new videos. Thank you. And Valeria and I look forward to, uh, you know, reading this and seeing it come up. Uh, I'll let you know as soon as it's up. Okay, very good. <laughs> Bye. Thank you and have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to coffees.me podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And if you did, please feel free to go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help the show to score higher on iTunes and they also help me to understand what you like and what you don't like. And don't forget, I will have three months now to read them, study them and make my little charts and, and, and everything. Also, feel free to go to coffees.me website and click Ask Valerian and ask me a question. And if I don't know the answer, I'll be happy to ask somebody who most likely knows so we can fill up these three months with kind of like, you know, mini episodes so this is it thank you so much again and have a great time until the next show bye